Okay, so Merry Christmas. I'm going to talk about a lady that Michael already talked about on Sunday, if you were here, and that is Mary. Mary. His was, there's something about Mary. I don't really have a title other than Sparkle. Some of the Bloom ladies will remember some of this message from last Bloom. Okay, so about a year ago, a friend had messaged me saying that she was praying for me, and while she was praying for me, all she kept thinking of was the word sparkle. Well, a year ago, and now really, I don't feel very sparkly, um, so I didn't really understand why she would think that or say that at that time. Um, just because of everything that was going on in our life at the time, I didn't feel like things were sparkling at all. And for you boys, I'm talking about sparkle and glitter tonight, and you're going to love it. Okay? Yes. Okay. Okay, so she told me this in a message, and fast forward a couple weeks after that, um, Miranda and my daughter Ella and I, we went to a women's conference. And at this women's conference, we're sitting there, and the host, the lady um, that runs the conference, she gets up there in the middle of worship, and she said, I don't know who this verse is for, but I just feel like I'm supposed to share this verse. And so this was the verse, and I'm going to talk about this a little bit tonight, all the way through the night. So this is it, and it's the the Passion Translation, Psalms 46, 4 through 5. God has a constantly flowing river whose sparkling streams bring joy and delight to his people. His river flows right through the city of the God Most High into his holy dwelling places. God is in the midst of his city, secure and never shaken. At daybreak, his help will be seen with the appearing of dawn. It says sparkling streams bring joy and delight. Now let me tell you, when she said sparkle, and that's what she saw when she saw me, I didn't feel like I was bringing sparkling streams of joy and delight, even though it was at that time the Christmas season. Honestly, joy and delight is not how I've even felt the past year. But in that moment, my eyes were open to something. It says his sparkling streams are constantly flowing. So that tells me it's a constant flow. So that means even in the midst of your darkest hour, that rivers of joy and delight can be flowing through you. No matter what you're going, even in the midst of your pain and in hard seasons, he can bring his joy and delight through you. Constant flow. And he often gives me these things to preach while I'm living them out. Obviously, a year later, I'm still trying to live this stuff out. And this is the time of year, right, where we think about um, joy and delight. But yet some people are in the midst of the darkest pain. The holiday can bring so much pain as well. And tonight, I am going to talk about Mary, who I feel in the midst of pain sparkled and had a constant river of joy and delight. Because we often talk about Mary as the blessed one. We often talk about her as the favored one, like we talked about Sunday. She was favored, and she was all of those things. And she was the mother of Jesus. She was. 
he was the hope that we celebrate this holiday, and she was the one that carried him. She was favored, and she was blessed. Yet here's where Mary enters the story. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great. Sorry, <laughs> He will be very great, and he will be called the Son of the, God, of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I'm a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you so the baby will be born, the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. You see, she was chosen among many to carry the Son of God, the hope of all mankind, a huge responsibility She was favored, yet in the midst of that, she was also a virgin and pregnant in a culture that could have stoned her at the time. She was ridiculed by her own fiance, who doubted at first. She gave birth in what they think was a cave or a stable, not a palace for the king of kings, but a stable. People wanted her baby dead. She had to walk for miles while nine months pregnant. I couldn't even move at nine months pregnant, let alone walk for miles. But through it all, she was carrying the greatest joy and delight the world had ever seen. She sparkled through her pain. She was obedient in in spite of everything that came against her. She brought forth light, and she brought forth the light of the world that was Jesus. You see, Mary sang this song, is what they said, and this is what she says. My soul is ecstatic, overflowing with praises to God. My spirit bursts with joy over my life-giving God, for he set his tender gaze upon me, his lowly servant girl, and from here on, Everyone will know that I have been favored and blessed. The mighty one has worked a mighty miracle for me. Holy is his name. You see, Mary knew. She knew this constant flow of joy and delight in the midst of her pain, in the midst of her circumstance, in probably one of the darkest times of her life when they were rejected. Here's two things I think that we can learn from Mary. One is even in the midst of people's opinions, Mary stood for the promise. Michael said on Sunday, which I thought was a good illustration, so I'm going to use it. So, Mary was not a visco girl, and I don't have to explain it here what a visco girl is. You guys know what that is. You need to tell me more of what that is, probably. Um, She was not. It says in Luke 148, she said, for he took notice of a lowly girl. You see, lowly means lack of vanity, modest, low in status, everything that your culture stands against. They promote vanity. It's definitely not modest. And low low status, I don't think so. You gotta get your likes, right? Everything against what culture would have us be today but she saw herself as a lowly girl and God found favor with her. She didn't have to be the center of attention for him to notice her. 
he noticed her. It says, for he took notice of a lowly girl. God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things. She was humble, but she knew she was chosen. So the crowd's opinions start to fade when you know who you are and whose you are. Then say that again. When you know who you are and whose you are, people's opinion, opinions start to fade into the background. And what God starts to say about you becomes louder than the crowd. And it overflows out of you. In Luke 138, she says, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you've said about me come true. Psalms 46, 4 again. God has a constantly flowing river whose sparkling streams bring joy and delight. Mary was filled with joy and delight amongst the crowd. The second thing we can learn from Mary is she was not shaken. I love that we sang that song tonight where it talks about not being shaken. It says in the Bible that she was confused and disturbed, but it never says she was shaken. She was not shaken. Mary had a trust in God, so when he said, don't be afraid, she wasn't afraid. I know I would be freaking out if an angel came to me and said I was going to deliver the Son of God, the Savior of the world. But the angel said, don't be afraid. So Mary gave birth. She wrapped him in a snuggly cloth, it says, which were really rags just laying in the cave, and laid him in a manger. You see, Mary knew all of this was planned and promised. It may not have been what she planned or what she thought, but it was what God had planned and promised. He didn't plan for the king of kings to be born into a palace. He planned for him to be born in that cave because he came to serve the world. He came to be just like us. God had not let her go yet, so why would she worry now? She was not shaken. And if you take that verse that I've been talking about and you kind of change the words a little bit, I put my name into it and put your name into it. God has a constantly flowing river whose sparkling streams bring joy and delight to Rachel. His river flows right through the city of God Most High into Rachel. God is in the midst of Rachel, secure and never shaken. And at daybreak, his help will be seen with the appearing of dawn. Not shaken. He's never going to let me go. So I can not be afraid. When he says, don't be afraid, you don't have to be afraid. In John 1.5, it says, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. For light sparkles in the darkness, and it, darkness can never extinguish it. You know, I was talking with some friends last year about my message for Bloom, and they kept talking about this rock polisher. Does anyone know what a rock polisher is? Some of the oldies, maybe? Yeah, okay. So I'm from England originally, moved here when I was 13, never knew what a rock polisher was. But apparently it's a thing. Um, so 
This is it right here, you guys. I put on Facebook, if anyone had one of these, all my friends from high school were like, what the heck do you want that for? What do you need that for? Um, so this is what it is, okay? So this is a rock polisher. You fill this with rock and water, and it spins. I'll do a little demo. demo. So you put rock and water in there. So that will turn and turn and turn. They put in, what they put inside of it is rocks, water, and grit. The grit in there is what makes the rock smooth, and it polishes them. So they, you can put just an old, sharp rock in there, let it turn for weeks or whatever with water and grit, and it comes out shiny, smooth, and sparkling, probably. I added that, but I'm feeling like it will be sparkly. Okay. <laughs> you see, the grit is what makes the rock smooth and acts as the sand that nature uses to smooth and polish the rocks. You see, I know in my life there's been so much grit. So much grit. But you see, I know of a living water that can kind of mix with that grit and smooth away some of those edges, soften some of those edges, heal some of those wounds. So we, in the end, can come out smooth, sparkling. But then there'll probably be another rock. There'll probably be another hurt. There'll probably be another wound that has to mix with this living water, who we call Jesus, and sometimes we have to turn with him a little bit, and we have to dance with him a little bit to get that healing that we need so we can come out shiny and sparkling for others. In John 4, it talks about this perfectly. And I've talked about this story, I'm sure, before in here as well. But I think repetitiveness is probably good. Let's get that word in you. Okay, so John 4, Jesus talks to a woman about living water. A woman who, like Mary, was ridiculed. She had a past. She was the woman at the well. But you see, that day she came at noon. And usually in that culture at that time, they wouldn't come at noon. They would come early in the morning when it was cooler. But she came at noon because she had a past and because she had a reputation and she didn't want to be talked about. But Jesus was passing through this town. It was Samaria, and he was a Jew, and Jews didn't really go through Samaria, and he did, they definitely didn't mingle with Samaritans. But Jesus was there at the well in Samaria. He met her there in spite of others' opinions. He met her there at noon. And this is what it says. After Jesus had talked to her, she said, the woman was surprised for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus replied, if only you knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. 
She said, but sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said, and this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and the animals enjoyed? Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again, but those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh, bubbling, sparkling spring within them, giving them eternal life. The bubbling spring, sparkling. He went on to talk to her and um, he actually told her about her life and she said, or he said, where's your husband? And she said, I don't have a husband or I don't have a husband. He said, actually you've had five and the man you're living with right now is not your husband. He kind of told her her life. And even though he knew her story, he met her there at noon when no one else would be there. He met her where she was. He met her there at noon. So I'm asking you tonight, what is your noon hour? What is it in your life that makes you draw back away from people? What is it in your life that you want to hide away from where he can meet you where you're at? What's the hurt or the pain that's in your life where Jesus wants to come and he wants to sit with you and he wants to talk to you and he wants to say, hey, I've got some of this water that will never make you thirst again. I've got some of this water that can mix with some of the grit in your life and you can come out shiny and smooth. I've got some living water that can help soften some of the pain that you've gone through. I have a little bit of living water that can help some of those relationships in your life. I have some living water that can help that relationship within your family. I have living water. So what is your noon hour? What makes you come to the well at noon? What makes you hide away from everyone else? Life-giving water. He met her where she was, in all of her mess, in all of her past, and he gave her a hope for a future. And it says that the Samaritan woman then went and told her story. And you see, that's what he wants to do for you. As you go through this with a little bit of grit and a little bit of water and it turns and it turns and he starts molding you and making you into who he wants you to be, then he wants you to take that story that he's given you and he wants you to help others that are going through the same pain and the same wounds that you've been through because he's gone through it with you, that living water and that grit and he's he's molding you and he's shaping you. And he's turning you into that softer person. He's taking away those rough, hard edges so that you can minister to people and you can talk to people and tell them what you've been through and tell your story. It said many people started to believe after she told her story. He refines us. And no amount of grit or criticism, rough days or emotion, can stop that spinning. He'll take it all, he'll mix it with his living water, and he'll make us more like him. A little more like Jesus.
You know, there's someone I've always looked up to in my Christian walk since I was probably around 17, and that's Mother Teresa. Mother Teresa was a nun who lived in Calcutta, and she has a quote that I've seen on many people's walls. I want to put it in our house at some point, have someone write it really cool. I need to find someone, Jessica, um, to do that for me. But this is what she said. And if we could live our lives like this, if we could allow God to just smooth some of those edges where we don't live in that grit and we don't live in that hurt, but we allow him to mix it in our life and spin us a little bit and soften us a little bit to where we start to reach out to other people instead of thinking about us. This is what she said. People are often unreasonable, irrational, and self-centered. Forgive them anyway. If you are kind, people may accuse you of being selfish, ulterior motives. Be kind anyway. If you are successful, you will win some unfaithful friends and some genuine enemies. Succeed anyway. If you are honest and sincere, people may deceive you. Be honest and sincere anyway. What you spend your years creating, others could destroy overnight. Create anyway. If you find serenity and happiness, some may be jealous. Be happy anyway. The good you do today will often be forgotten. Do good anyway. Give the best you have, and it will never be enough, but give your best anyway. In the final analysis, it is between you and God, and it was never between you and them anyway. Mary, in spite of others' opinions, she hold on, held on to the promise. She was never shaken by the grit or the circumstance. She was a constant flow of joy and delight. You know, and I know that this may be one of the last times I speak to you up here. I hope they'll invite me back, maybe. But if there's anything I can get through to you tonight, that is hold tight. Hold tight. Hold tight to the promise of God that this is not where it ends. There's so much, so many temporary things going on in your life right now that in five, ten, 15 years will not matter. It won't matter. But what will matter is the foundation that you place right now in your life. And that is holding tight to Jesus, holding tight to that living water that no matter what you go through in life, and it may get really, really messy, but through that mess, he's gonna meet you in that noon hour and he's going to come to you and he's going to say, yeah, I know your story. I know your story. I know it's a mess, but I'm here. And I'm offering you hope and I'm offering you a future. 
If you can just get that deep inside of you today to hold tight, to take root, that no matter where you go, that you will be anchored in the things of God. Surround yourself with the word of God. Read it, read it, meditate on it. Even if you don't understand it, read it, get it in you. So that when those times come, you can hold tight to the word of God and you can hold tight to Jesus. Surround yourself with prayer. Pray yourself. Jesus and God, God is just a conversation away. Sometimes all you have to say is Jesus and he'll know exactly what you need in that moment. He's just a conversation away. Surround yourself with people that will pray for you. Surround yourself with leaders that are in this room that you, you may stray, but yet they're going to hold tight to you no matter where you go. That they're going to be able to help pull you back in And they're going to surround you in prayer even when you don't realize that they're praying for you. Surround yourself with people that will pray for you. Because he has a purpose and he has a destiny for each and every one of you in here. There's going to be some of you that look back on nights like tonight or nights that thrive and nights that abandon. And that's going to be the moment where God called you into something big. Those were the moments where I was called to do what I'm doing today. It took a long time to get to this platform, but if you let God mold you and shape you into who he wants you to be down there, no matter how long it takes, he'll place you where you're supposed to be. And no person or thing will stop it. He has a hope and he has a future. And even though things may seem bleak, he wants to be with you in the midst of your pain, in the midst of your grit, and he wants you to sparkle. And in this season, I know, like I said, it can be hard for some people during this time of year, but I believe that even in the midst of that hard pain, or maybe it's one of your favorite times of the year, whatever it is, I believe that you can be a light that shines or sparkles to somebody else. In the midst of your story, God can use you to sparkle in someone else's life. 